welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. So one of the early evangelists in Methodism was a guy by the name of Peter Cartwright. He was known for having kind of a in-your-face, confrontational, brash style of preaching. It just so happened one Sunday when he was preaching, the President of the United States, old rough and ready, that old general, Andrew Jackson, was coming to worship that day. When the elders in the church saw that Jackson was there, they went up to Cartwright and encouraged him to say, hey, you need to know the President of the United States is here today. You might want to be careful about what you say. And so when he ascended up to the pulpit, Cartwright started off by saying, it is my understanding that President Andrew Jackson is here today, and I have been warned that I might want to be careful in the things I say. So here's what I want you to know. Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he doesn't repent of his sins. Yeah, you could hear the gasp that went up in the, the congregation. I personally wonder if anyone heard the rest of the sermon after that. Or if after shocking the people that were there, Cartwright then began to preach a message of grace. But we just really don't know that part of the story. But after the service, Cartwright stood at the door greeting people as they were exiting the sanctuary. And when the president came up, everybody was watching to see what would happen. Cartwright shook his hand, and the president looked him in the eye and said, Sir, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could conquer the world. You see, what the general knew was that all things being equal, Equal weaponry, equal numbers of soldiers, equal intelligence with which to fight a battle, all things being equal, there's something that defines the human spirit that does, in fact, make a difference. Boldness. The courage and confidence to do those things that you're being called to do. And we see how in Jesus' life, Jesus was a bold person. He had the courage to face the cross. He had the confidence that he would rise from the dead. And so it is, brothers and sisters, I would suggest to you that the church has a people in great need of boldness. When we think about the situation of the culture that we live in, we think of all that's going on, this is not a time for us to be meek. This is not a time for us to be silent. This is a time for us to be bold because from the very beginnings of the church, this was characteristic of what God was doing in the lives of people. Now, we spent the last, gosh, six Sundays looking at different parts of Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is poured out on all those who believe. People now have power to live this newfound faith in Christ that they have. And as they proclaim the good news, we see that people turned from their sin and they turned to God. And all of a sudden, because of this newfound faith, they have rearranged and changed the priorities of their life. Now they have a great devotion, not just to themselves, but to this new community of faithful believers. And when they began to live that way, we, we read how 
thousands of people profess faith in Christ as both Messiah and Lord. And how it is the apostles were doing all these miraculous signs? Would that we could experience that today. Wouldn't we love it if every Sunday we saw evidence of the spirits moving by some uh, manifestation of God's power to heal and to restore? Wouldn't it be great every Sunday if we saw people coming and professing faith in Christ where they turn from their sin and they turn to God? And in Acts chapter 2, that's what we read. In Acts chapter 2, it's great. And then it begins to change. In Acts chapter 3, we read the story of the man who was crippled from birth, who sat at the gate outside the temple and begged for alms so that he could live. But when he encounters Peter and John, they pray for him in Jesus' name, and the man is healed, and he rises up. And, and you remember the story. He began walking and leaping and praising God. Well, that was kind of the last straw for some people. And by some people, I mean the religious leaders of the Jewish people. Now, you've got to remember this about the Jewish leadership. The leadership in the temple, this was the same group of people that just weeks before had had Jesus arrested. This is the same group of leaders that had uh, paid Judas to betray Jesus. Same group of people who had Jesus arrested, who took him before Pilate and turned the crowd to yell, crucify him. The same group of people that when Jesus rises from the dead, paid off the guards to say, tell everybody that his disciples came and stole his body. That's who these people are. Now, the apostles, after Jesus ascends, are in the temple every day sharing the good news, and they just kind of kept thinking, ah, this is going to go away, you know, this will wear off. But it doesn't, and when this man is healed, that's it. They have the temple guard arrest them, and now Peter and John are dragged before the council. The council wants them to stop. And normally they would have had some kind of physical punishment to keep them and deter them from doing what they were doing. But when you have a man who's been crippled his whole life, walking and leaping and praising God, it becomes a little more difficult. They knew that if they did something, it could start a riot, and that's what they were hoping to avoid. And so you know what they did? They threatened them. I don't know what they said, but they threatened them. That's what the scripture tells us. And we can look from other parts in the book of Acts and we can assume that it was bodily harm, perhaps even threat of death. And then this is what we read. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Antipas Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all 
united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. God created the church to be bold. Now, the definition of boldness is this. Boldness is action that rises above fear. It's not to say that when they were threatened, the apostles weren't afraid, but what they prayed for was boldness. What they received was boldness. I've been reading a book. It's called Praying in Jesus' Name for 21 Centuries by a United Methodist pastor named Terry Teekel. And I read a story in the book that I found very interesting. It was by another guy by the name of E.K. Motley. And Motley says that Jesus promises his disciples three things. That they will be absurdly happy, that they will be completely fearless, and they will be in constant trouble. Now, when we think of this part of being completely fearless, boldness is the action that overcomes our fear. Boldness as a people of God, is in our DNA. It's who God is creating us to be as a part of his church. And I, I just wonder, even in saying this, what does boldness look like to you? Maybe it would look like the uh, old television show Superman. And you can imagine this in your mind, but you have to imagine it in black and white because I'm pretty sure that's how it looked. But there you had the man of steel going to stop this robber from committing a crime. And when the robber turns around, he raises his gun to which Superman stands, legs spread apart, hands on hips, chest out while bullets bounce off his chest, you know, because he's Superman. And then the strangest thing happens. After the guy has fired all the bullets and he doesn't know what else to do, he takes his gun and throws it at Superman. And what does Superman do? He ducks. I will take all the bullets, but don't throw the gun at me. <laughs> Maybe that's what boldness kind of looks like to you. But here's what I think boldness looks like. I think boldness looks like Noah. Noah being the only righteous man who's living for God and God gives him a mission. Noah, I want you to build me an ark and I want you to gather all these animals because I'm about to destroy the earth through a flood. Now, <laughs> there's something about God's timing we ought to have to remember. God's timing is not like our timing is. And somebody that uh, went on vacation, went to the ark encounter, came back and they said, they told us that with the tools that Noah had and just his family, it probably took him 70 years to build the ark. 70 years of being mocked, 70 years of watching people live against God. But he had action that rose above his fear. Or how about Daniel? Daniel prayed faithfully to God every day, and his enemies were going to use that as a trap against him to have the king say, no one can pray to anybody but me. 
And then they capture Daniel because he has been praying, but Daniel is confident that even in the den of lions, God will take care of him. And that's compared to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow to the idol before uh, the king. And whenever the king heard this, he got so angry, he ordered the fire to be heated seven times its normal heat. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are given the chance to defy their God and be saved, but they tell him, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, our God is able to save us. And even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. And even if faith is a boldness that has action that rises above fear. I think boldness looks like Truett Cathy. Y'all know who Truett Cathy is? He's a guy that started a restaurant several years ago, and he determined that in his restaurant, they would not be open on Sunday that they would close so the employees would be able to go to church and worship on the church's busiest day of the week. No telling how much money it cost him to close his restaurant on Sunday, but I think Chick-fil-A's doing pretty good right now. Boldness is taking a stand against culture when culture tells us this is how we ought to live and this is what we ought to believe. Boldness is tithing. When you take your income and you say, I'm going to give the first 10% to God and I'm going to live on 90%, when a lot of people think that you can't even live on 100% of what you make and therefore they're in massive amounts of debt. Boldness is refusing to compromise when compromise would be so much easier and may bring a temporary reward when we think of boldness does it always look like we're standing with our feet apart our hands on our hips our chest pushed out because we are now going to be loud and we're going to be strong I would suggest to you that boldness sometimes is different it reflects the character of Jesus through grace and truth boldness is not unkind boldness is not unloving boldness is not arrogant it's more like Jesus. I read an interesting testimony by a guy named John Capstein. I hope I pronounced his name right, but probably not. And he was someone that later in his life, he felt like God was calling him in the ministry. He and his wife talked. She was committed to this call that God had on his life, and they made the decision that for him to go to seminary, they would have to sell their house. They had enough equity that they could live on it for about three years. They decided they would sell the house themselves so as not to have to use any money to pay commission to a realtor. But as they thought about this, they thought, you know, what are we going to do on Sunday? You know, we, we don't want to work on Sunday. We don't know that that's what we should do. And the question for them was, do we leave the for sale sign in our yard on Sunday when we know that Sunday is a day that a lot of people drive around and look for houses to buy. And after much thought and much discussion and much prayer, they decided that while they could leave the sign up and they weren't really doing any work, that that wasn't what God would have them do. So on a Friday, they put a sign out in their yard that said for sale. And then late Saturday night, he went out and he took the sign out of the yard and put it back inside. 
The next day, Sunday, all the neighbors were surprised that they had sold the house so fast. They thought that was truly amazing. And when they came to talk to them, they said, well, no, we, we didn't sell the house. We just don't feel like we should advertise it's for sale on a Sunday. Now, not all Christians believe that, and we don't think there's anything wrong with people that do that, but we just felt like God was laying it on our hearts that that's not what we should do. And then he says, because of this bold act, we were able to share Jesus with more of our neighbors than we ever had because they all were amazed that the house had sold so quickly. And when we got to explain why, and many of them were not believers, we were excited to be able to tell them about Christ. It's not loud. It's not arrogant. It's not unkind. It's not unloving. But it sure is bold. And I, I love how whenever we read this scripture from Acts 4 that after they had been threatened, and, and I don't think it was an empty threat. I don't think it was an idle threat. I think it was a kind of threat that you probably ought to pay attention to. I think it's interesting what they prayed for. They didn't pray for God to make it go away. They didn't pray for those people to suddenly become nice. They didn't pray for God to give them strength to overcome this mountain they now had to climb. They prayed that they might continue to be bold in proclaiming the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They prayed for boldness in preaching the word. We live in a time, brothers and sisters, when the church needs to be a people that are bold. We need the boldness of David standing before Goliath. We need the boldness of Moses caught between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. We need the boldness of Jesus who even in Gethsemane, seeing Golgotha in front of him, prayed to overcome fear. I will remind you of what Motley said. The follower of Jesus were promised three things. To be absurdly happy, completely fearless, and in constant trouble. Boldness can have negative consequences. It's one thing to pray for boldness, but when you've been threatened and you're praying for boldness, you know that that threat may be carried out. Let me give y'all a homework assignment for today. I don't do that very often. Are y'all okay with a homework assignment? Y'all have a Bible? Good. <laughs> if you don't, come see me. We'll get you one. <laughs> Go to the Bible and read Hebrews chapter 11. Some people call that the faith chapter. I refer to that as the hall of faith because what happens is the writer of Hebrews goes through and it begins to name all these people and the great things they did because of their faith in God. The Old Testament portion of that, we read of the patriarchs and we remember those famous people and here's what they did and here's how they lived by faith and it's an encouragement to us. But when we get to the, the New Testament part of it, and this is what is most interesting, in the New Testament part of it, it doesn't really name people. It just tells what happened to people. The torture, the agony, the pain, 
the death that many martyrs of the faith had to endure because of their faith in Christ. 1138, in the translation that I've been reading, would say this. Those people, the people that were tortured and killed, were too good for the world. But I actually like the way it translates in the New International Version. It reads, the world was not worthy of them. Would that we would be a people so bold in our proclamation that somebody might say of us, the world is not worthy of them. I mean, if you're worried about the negative consequences, if you're worried about being rejected, if you're worried about being mocked, if you're worried about being despised by people because you're willing to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news by which we have the hope of our salvation, if you're worried about people being rejected, I would suggest to you, you're in good company because the whole of our Christian faith is that we will be less like we were when we turn from our sin and when we turn to God, we become more like Jesus who was despised and rejected and falsely accused and did more than threatening, they took his life. If we're like Jesus, we ought to anticipate that when we are bold, not everybody's going to respond appropriately. And yet, that's who God's creating the church to be. A bold people, even in the face of threat, unwilling to compromise on the good news that we share. We've got to have action that rises above our fear. But modeling the character of Jesus, we speak this good news with grace and with truth. Truth is Peter Cartwright saying, Andrew Jackson will go to hell unless he repents of his sin. Grace is saying, but Jesus has paid for all of our sin and for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, there's nothing that can separate us from God. Boldness is risky, but it bears fruit. The lead founder of the people called Methodist, John Wesley, said something akin to what Andrew Jackson said. Wesley in his culture said, if, if you give me 30 men who fear nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, I'll give England back to God. If we fear God in a way that shows our wholesome honoring and respect of who God is, sharing that with others may be risky, but God is at work in people's hearts and lives so that it will bear fruit. Are you willing to be bold? Let us pray.